You're listening to the Mind Body Musings Podcast, the show where you can learn the most intricate details about the body, the mind, and how lifestyle choices link the two to create individual health for every shape and size. I'm fitness and nutrition expert Maddie Moon, here to enlighten you on how to live your life in a way that promotes satiation, thrivation, and self-appreciation. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Mind Body Musings podcast, everyone. Today we have a really big treat because we're going to be joined by a woman who thrives off of inspiring people to live their life to the absolute fullest. But before we introduce her, I just want to quickly say that I'm thoroughly overwhelmed and touched by the amount of people that reached out to me after last week's episode about the top six reasons behind disordered eating. As you guys know, I mostly prefer to interview people for my show instead of doing solo podcasts, but I felt really called to share that message last week, and I'm so happy that I did. It's inspiring to see so many women put themselves out there to share their story with me and to tell me about their discovery process and journey, so thank you so much for being an inspiration to me. Secondly, I just want to remind everyone of the Four Weeks to Body Freedom program coming up next month. If you're interested in learning how to undiet, By enjoying the eating experience once again, please join me in this four-week journey. We will dive deep together to figure out why food and body image has taken such a big role in your life and what you can do about it. We will cover everything from disordered eating to intuitive eating to fitness and so much more. So if you're interested in the program or if you want to talk to me about it and where you are in your life and what you want to be, then please email me at mindbodymusings at gmail.com to discuss this opportunity. Okay, and now it's time to introduce our wonderful guest for episode 29. Today we're talking with a woman whose mission is to help people live the life of their dreams fearlessly. Shannon Kaiser has been labeled a modern thought leader on the rise by Cafe Truth and and the top 25 most influential wellness experts by Mind Body Green. She's the best-selling author of Find Your Happy, an inspirational guide to loving life to its fullest, and a six-time contributing author to Chicken Soup for the Soul. She's an inspirational author, speaker, travel writer, and life coach who has left her successful career in advertising several years ago to follow her heart and be a writer. Her unique and adventurous twist to self-help inspires people to take risks and embrace the unknown so they can live openly and courageously from their heart. Wow, it's such a treat to have you today. Welcome to the show, Shannon. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. I know, this is so exciting. Like, I really wanted to get a life coach on this show to talk about some things that we just haven't really dove into in this show. So I feel like there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of things we can talk about. Great. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So please tell us a little bit about your journey and how you became such a passionate life coach. Well, it actually started in my 20s when I hit a quarter-life crisis, and it was rock bottom for me. See, what was funny is I was pursuing what everyone kind of said you're supposed to do. I was checking off the boxes to, to, you know, what makes you happy. I had a great career. I was living in Chicago, had a beautiful loft, a man who wanted to marry me. I was getting raises, and on the outside, it sure looked like I had it all together, on the inside, I was a whole different story. I was suffering from eating disorders at the time. I was addicted to drugs, and my doctor diagnosed me with clinical depression. 
And I realized something has got to change. But I didn't really realize that until I hit rock bottom. And when it was in my rock bottom, I was crying. I remember this moment very clearly. I was crying on the floor. And I said, I can't do this anymore. I just can't keep living my life trying to be someone I'm not. You know, I was listening to society and what they said is going to make you happy. But I was miserable. And in that moment, the air thinned out around me. And it was very interesting because I finally heard my inner voice. And it said, Shannon, follow your heart. And it was at that moment that I realized, okay, I have, I have two choices and only two choices. I can keep living in this depression or sit here and, and let life happen to me. Or I can take control and start navigating my life ship in a better direction. And to that extreme, I really chose happiness in each moment. And that's why I do all the work I do today. Five years later, I'm committed to helping other people pull through their darkness so they can live a life they are in love with. Wow. Wow. That is so inspiring. And when you say choose happiness, how did you like learn to choose happiness? Because that really is, it comes down to choosing that. And it's so hard to like wrap your head around that it's a choice. I think exactly there. There's a lot of layers to it. But it's, you know, when I was suffering from depression, if someone said, Oh, it's a choice, just choose it, I would, I couldn't, I wouldn't have been able to hear them because I'm, you're in it. And we all go through these moments of pain and these periods of darkness for a reason. So first thing for me was looking at the purpose in my pain, and realizing I, I have a whole chapter in the first book that I wrote, which is my book, Find Your Happy, which is about the steps I took to pull out of depression, and really choose happiness. And it comes back to seeing that there is beauty and breakdown. So instead of running from our depression or our sadness and, and feeling like we're wounded or broken, I went straight into it and dove into my fears. And I did that by following my heart, which meant, okay, for today, I may not be able to control all the things around me, but I can choose gratitude today. Something as simple as that was able to transform my life. Small steps every day. Yeah, totally. I think that gratitude is one of the biggest keys to finding your own happy. Like I would just live my life and and not be grateful for the amazing things my body could do every day. And mm -hmm. I just focused on all the, the things. I was kind of just stuck in my own like sadness selfishly. Like I, I just was like, man, I have this body and I don't like it. But what I didn't really realize is that like my body does everything for me. It gives me yeah. a home and a place to live. And like once I finally could see that and I started giving – like thanks to it every day. And it made such a huge difference. It's so beautiful. I love that you're sharing that too, because, you know, body acceptance and body love is really kind of the, the pivotal moment of true happiness, you know, cause I, I went on this big mission to be happy and my life started to transform and it was wonderful. I was starting to be, I was becoming a travel writer. I left corporate. I walked away from the boyfriend that wasn't working, the job that wasn't working, the city and started to reinvent my life, but I still had these body issues. And it wasn't until, like you said, really saying, you know what? I have a body. Thank goodness. Oh my God. Like I love this body no matter what what condition it's in today. So love is really kind of the thing that can pull us forward. Like you said, I love it. Yeah, exactly. So when you decided that things needed to change and the boyfriend wasn't working out and your job wasn't working out, did you have a moment where you like, all this is not working out? Or was it kind of like one thing after another, like this isn't working out, I need to stop this. And then this isn't working out. Or did you just kind of make this huge transition all at once? 
Yes. And that's a great question because I think when we, you see somebody, you know, who's living a life doing the work I love today, coming from where I came from, it looks like, well, how'd she do it? It was a lot of small, small steps. And it really started by saying one thing at a time. In fact, the very first thing I did when I fell on that floor and had that bathroom breakdown, I said, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm going to pick three things that are going to make me happy. And I took my red lipstick and I wrote on the bathroom mirror, getting out of Chicago, like I had expired my expiration date kind of, you know, wasn't there anymore. I needed to move back to Portland, Oregon, which is where I'm talking to you from now because my family's here. I grew up here. I'm a West Coast girl. And so for me, it was really important to like follow my heart with that step. And then once I did that, like things one at a time, you know, I finally got enough courage to really break off the relationship that was really um, kind of overextended itself. I left the job. So it really was one thing at a time because once you do one, you become more empowered and you get confident. And one thing after time really builds the steps to happiness. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it is true that it, I mean, for some people, you can make huge changes all at once. But yeah. for other people, you need to take your time and you, know, you don't want to get too overwhelmed and, you know, bite off more than you can chew. Yeah, I think that's such a key point. I think some of us get overwhelmed because we try so hard to be happy, especially if you're suffering from a, a, you know, feeling insecure or not in a place where you're feeling joy in your life. Trying to get there and focusing on, gosh, how I'm not happy really prevents us from getting there. So I think it's a really beautiful practice to, you know, throw small things in. Well, for today, I will go for a long nature walk or today... I, you know, will start looking at other jobs because I know the job I'm at really doesn't serve me anymore. Stuff like that can really help. Yeah, exactly. So what would you say is one of the biggest factors keeping people from trying to accomplish their dreams? That's a great question. I think everyone has their own internal compass. And I think the biggest factor is there's there's a lot of different layers to it, but one that comes up right here and that I work with and with my personal coaching clients is our really needing our approval from others or wanting to fit in, so to speak. So if you think about having a dream and you go to your friends or your family and you say, I really want to do this, and sometimes they, a lot of the time, in fact, especially when we start to open up the dreamer inside and we start living our life more for you know, what's inside of us, they sometimes react and they push back or they say, hey, that's stupid, you know, and that deters a lot of us. And so I work with my coaching clients. And in fact, just a couple of weeks ago, I had a specific woman who was really wanting to leave her job that she absolutely cannot stand. She's just miserable. She cries at work, which is exactly what I went through. And so we, we went through a process where we're starting to get in touch with what's really going to make her feel alive. And she realized that she wants to be a life coach too and help others through her experience of what she went through. And the biggest thing that was stopping her was when she started to tell people they didn't, they, they kind of laughed. They didn't support her. She started to reach out and put workshops out in the, you know, in the community. And the reality is once she realized she was committed to her why, and so I think we can pursue our dreams when we get focused on the why we're doing it. Because once you're committed to the why and you're connected to your own internal heart, other people's approval doesn't really matter because you're so connected to yourself. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That so resonates with me. Just having those experiences. I mean, I'm fortunate that I have a lot of people around me that believe me. But sometimes when we talk about these things, it is that one person that's like, that's stupid. That's not going to work. Oh, yes. And then automatically you're like, oh my God, you're right. That's not going to work. Right. I shouldn't do that. 
<laughs> I know. And it happens no matter what. And the thing is, when we start dreaming, we represent a portion of us. I love that you're sharing that too, because it's something we all go through. It's a part of us that it gets scary for those who aren't in a place where they're dreaming yet. And so they will reflect, they will always kind of share their negative aspects. I have a story along this. When I very first left corporate, I actually had this idea as I started to follow my heart about two years after I had walked away from the corporate industry and I was well into working on my business. I realized I wanted to write books and I had this idea and I went to my life coach at the time who was a dear friend and writer. And I said, you know, I really want to write a book about happiness. I want to call it find your happy. And she is a beautiful person and a wonderful influence in the industry. And on our call, she said, that is a stupid idea happiness is so overdone. There's nothing new you can say about it. And and it's such a crowded market. Nobody's going to buy a book on happiness. And as she said that, I realized in that moment, I had a choice. And I was fortunate enough to recognize that she was just perceiving and talking to me from her experience. She had literary agents, publishers, people in her life who were telling her no, and she was choosing to believe it. And in that moment, I said to myself in my head, watch me. And it wasn't saying, watch me to prove her wrong. It was saying, this is my journey and I'm connected to my, I have some message I have to share uh, and I'm going to put it in a book. And then two years later, the book became, it came out and it became a bestseller. And so we have to like really get aligned with ourselves and not allow other people to take our dreams away from us. Wow. And you said that was your, your coach at the time? Yeah. Right. She was, um, well, more like a mentor. It was a author, friend, mentor. It really surprises me. But. Yes. And I think that that's the thing too. We want to align ourselves when you're looking for, and I had another coach who I was working with two different people at the time and she was so uplifting when I told her that idea. She was very positive and she was surrounding me with lots of love and saying, I can't wait to see this book out in the world. And I realized that I really want to surround myself with positive people, people who believe in my dreams. And that was a pivotal moment too of also finding my own happiness and realizing who I've been spending my time with. Yeah, 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 yeah. Have you ever read the book, The Prosperous Coach? I love that book. I haven't read it all the way, so no. Okay, so I just read it, like I picked it up two days ago and I finished it, like awesome. yesterday. Like I, I just went through it so fast because it was so amazing. And if anyone is thinking about being a coach, I highly recommend this book. But um, in it, it, it did say at one point, like, you know, when you're ever doubting your greatness as a coach, like you need to be, I forgot exactly how I'm going to, I'm going to butcher it, but kind of like the, the lamp or something like a lamp will listen to you. Anything you'll say. I mean, a lamp. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I'm of course saying it wrong, but what like a, a, a good coach listens like above all. And like, you know, I don't know. I think that if someone immediately says, you know, that's a stupid idea or that's not going to work, that's kind of the complete opposite of really encouraging and being like a lamp. <laughs> like you want to encourage. Yeah. And, and that's exactly it. So I think on our journey to happiness, we start to see, and I have another chapter about this too, of course, uh, surround yourself with fearless people and people who really lift you up because you can even testament, you just said to this, that you're so, so you feel really supported by people who believe in you. And that does help. It helps So I actually did have to break up with quite a few friends, so to speak, not in a dramatic way, but I just slowly started to distance myself. And when we start to become happier, we realize that the people we've been surrounding ourselves with a lot of times aren't as happy and there becomes this kind of contrast. And really, you have to own your happiness by being aligned with your own self. Exactly. And I think that's a really good skill to learn just for life in general, like all different things, like even with 
eating disorders and disordered eating, like that's being around people that are discouraging can be a trigger. And that can be like with your body image as well. Like there are certain people you should know by now are not going to encourage you or lift you up or make you feel good about yourself. And that's the same with like your job and, you know, your friends and your body and food and the relationships you have can transfer over to how you treat your own self and what you believe in and how you love your body. Exactly. Yes. 100%. So with your clients, I mean, like, I know fear is such a powerful, powerful thing. And fear keeps people back from doing things all the time. Do you have any practices for people when they're facing a lot of fear? Like, you know, think about the worst case scenario or ways to get over your fear of your dreams and just to go after it. Yes, I love this question. And fear is the number one thing that really blocks us. So when I was actually in and I was afraid to leave, I, I kind of woke up to I know what's going to make me happy. And, you know, when I very first left Chicago, I moved back to Portland, Oregon, but I took a job in advertising in the corporate world because of fear. I knew I didn't want to work there, but the safety, you know, the security of the paycheck brought me right back. And then after about eight weeks, I couldn't do it anymore. And I had to leave because that was about, you know, way overdue. And in that process, what I did was exactly what I share with clients now, which you suggested, is to look and think about the worst case scenario and realize, and I realized, okay, what is the worst case scenario? Maybe I have to put student loan deferment on. Maybe I'll have to move into my parents' house for a little bit. Like I thought about the worst case scenario. And then I thought of, of really the best case scenario. And that best case scenario drove me through. I'm living my best case scenario now, like waking up every morning doing work I love and, and being able to work from anywhere in the world. That's my dream life. And you can have your dream life by really focusing on what you want. Because I think the key thing with fear is so many of us focus, we spend so much time running away from what we don't want and and running, the fear is driving us and we worry and we we say, I can't leave corporate or I can't, you know, fall in love with my body because it's so big or whatever it may be, instead of embracing what we do have or what is working or what we want. Does that make sense? Oh, that makes, that makes so much sense. Um, I was uh, another book that I had read. I think it was just like I think it was The Secret. Have you read that? Yeah, I love that book. Yeah, amazing book. I know that's a movie as well, but it talks a lot about like focusing on what you don't want. And even if you have a don't in front of like I don't want X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you have a don't or if you have a want in front of it. Whatever follows that word, that's what you're putting your time into. Like yes, I don't want to run out of money, and then that's exactly what you'll do. Yep. But instead, if you think I want to make this much money every month. Brilliant. Such mm-hmm. a better way to think about it. Yes, 100%. In fact, all uh, a lot of my coaching clients, the new ones that come, I have a, a kind of a question I'll ask them. And I, you know, it's always like, what do you want? And the, I'd say at least 95% of people at first say, well, I know that I don't want this or I don't, you know, they want to find their soulmate, but I know that I don't want to be single. I don't want to be broke. And so we have to quickly change. It does exactly what you said. The real key to happiness and finding peace within yourself is to focus your attention and you can actually train your brain to focus on what you want. You know, we're human. We're always going to fall into worry and and maybe even guilt and and self-shame, but we can turn that around in the moment. And that's the key about being happy. You know, when I write books on happiness and stuff, it's not like I'm happy every moment all the time, but now I have the tools to bounce out of those dark moments much faster and embrace where I am in the moment. Yeah, 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 exactly. And now that we're talking about money a little bit, 
how how do you advise your clients to go about i mean step one is to think about like what you do want not what you don't want but then actually believing that you are worth that value mm-hmm. that's a whole other thing in itself and how, mm-hmm. how do you like teach your clients to have a, a, a number in mind and then really go after it or believe that they can achieve that And that's the thing that holds us back the most, the fact that we don't believe in ourselves. And so, you know, I think it's really a good idea, whatever area of your life that you're feeling the most insecure or the most kind of not as happy as you think you could be, it's very much connected to every other spot. So perhaps you feel like you wake up in the morning and you don't like who you see in the mirror or you, you know, go in your relationship and you're frustrated because you don't feel loved. That's going to translate into our money. Whether we realize it or not, everything is connected. So if you don't feel like you're worthy of love, then how can you bring more abundance to you? So my work is actually a really deep approach where we go inward into who you are. And I have a lot of tools and techniques that I also share in my book, uh, Find Your Happy, that are very simple to do, such as the new one that's really resonating with clients a lot this, this season is the mirror mantras. Because believe it or not, if we don't feel worthy of making an amount of money, it's because we don't feel worthy in other areas of life. So you go to a mirror and you say, today I'm willing to change. Or you can suggest a really great one. In fact, Louise Hay, the author of You Can Heal Your Life, uses affirmations a lot. And I think she uses that affirmation. And what's really beautiful with money and abundance is using power words like, I value myself. And then clients will have a meeting a couple weeks later or the very following week and they've been doing these mirror affirmations and they're like, wow, the money came and I didn't even have to worry about it. The check was just automatically there. And that's that's a beautiful way to bring more abundance to you is believing in your own self. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Like self-doubt I and mean, when you will reflect that, I mean, when you're talking to someone and if you really have a lot of self-doubt, the way you speak, the way you hold yourself, it all kind of is reflected in that conversation. Yes, absolutely. And I think a lot of business entrepreneurs, when we're making marketing material or writing emails to our clients, that energy is actually portrayed in the communication as well. And so the most essential thing you can do to really you know, create more revenue and abundance for yourself is to, and I, I do this with my clients, I say, do not send that email if you're feeling low and down and out. Let's get you in a high vibration so you can really feel happy, proud, and know that that money is coming to you. You know, whether they're waiting for a vendor to pay or trying to get more clients to sign up for their prod- project, there's so many different ways. And so really sitting and holding intentions that I am worthy of this, I allow this to come to me is really a beautiful practice. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I like that so much. So so when you hit rock bottom and you were thinking like, this is not the life I want, I want to be helping others, how did, like, I don't know, I know we kind of talked about this a little bit, but how exactly did you turn from being like needing help and like needing a coach and, and needing to get picked up to trusting yourself to be able to coach other people? Yes, I love this question. Thank you. It's beautiful because, you know, what's interesting is when I hit rock bottom, it wasn't it wasn't a, in that bathroom breakdown. It wasn't, I'm going to be a life coach. I'm going to be a travel writer. I'm going to write books. It was, I got to get myself out of this situation because it's not working. I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I took one step at a time. And with each step that I took, the first step was clearing out clutter. I went and cleared out my closet, re, you know, revamped my own place, got ready to move because I said I have to move back to the West Coast. Once I moved to the West Coast, more things opened up one step at a time. I went on a travel 
travel trip and wrote an article. It was my first blog ever. And people really resonated with it. I was in Paris and people were like, wow, you brought me back to Paris. And it was that moment where I realized, oh my gosh, something came alive in me where I could write words on paper and help others, whether it made them feel connected in the moment, escape their own life or help them. And then each moment I did to heal myself, that story I sent to Chicken Soup for the Soul and it it was accepted and published. And when I got that published letter, I realized, oh my God, I'm a writer because the feeling of sharing my words with people was just extraordinary. And that's what led me to write the book. So it was one step at a time and it really came back to trusting myself along the way. And every step I took, the more confidence I really gained. So with anybody who feels like I don't trust myself, it's a really funny thing because we don't take action because fear is blocking us. But the number one way to get everything you want is to take one action. What can you do? So I actually say, what can you do today that your future self will hug you for? Like, and that's what I began to do. In fact, I did three things every day towards my goal of being a writer. And I made a little checklist. Today, I reached out to a blogger. Today, I decided to learn how to write a book proposal. And that became my guiding force forward. Yeah, yeah. I think that, man, like, whenever I sit down and I write lists, and I'm like, this is how I want my life to go, blah, blah, blah. I end up writing, like, a 20-list thing. (laughs) Like, I have, like, 20 different things. And I'm like, today, I need to do this and this and this and this and this and this. And then I'll, like eventually get to the list but normally I go and do everything else that's really not on that list that's other stuff I end up thinking of and it's hard for me to focus on like small little things every single day yeah and so in fact that's why the list is um so what you're talking about is a list you create in the morning which can add a lot of pressure to us we already have a lot of stress the find your happy list is actually at the end of the day you you reflect and say what did I do today that moved me towards my goal And that's where it's empowering. So maybe you have a goal to lose weight and you're like, well, I didn't work out. And instead of beating yourself up about it or getting mad or going to binge, you'd say, I did take an extra long walk with my dog or I did play with my children for 15 minutes longer at the park or whatever that may be. You start to celebrate what you are doing and then you can kind of get into a place where you start navigating and feeling empowered to, gosh, I'm going to bed tonight and I can't wait tomorrow to get to that spin class or whatever it may be, you know? Oh my goodness. I love that so much. That's what I need to start doing. I need to try to start doing that. And that's the same thing as kind of what we're saying before is like focusing on what you, what you don't want and then instead focus on what you do want, but it's yeah. just what you did do, which is exactly. great. And I think we, we build up a lot of self guilt and you know, we get mad at ourselves. And so taking that pressure off yourself and knowing that you're doing a great job is, is actually a way to pull you forward. I can't wait to see how your list goes. So share it with me. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing it. I definitely will. Yeah. Okay, so switching gears a little bit, um, one thing we almost never talk about on this show is relationships and kind of creating the relationship you want. And I'm really curious to know about this. And like, I mean, this is pretty personal, but my experience with relationships and with, you know, going after certain types of guys or people, normally I just don't go after the right kind of guy, it seems. And like, I don't know if that's just fear of something working out so I eventually kind of go for someone that I know you know might not be long lasting or or it could be like self a self-sabotage thing I don't really know maybe it's just bad luck I don't know but do you have any kind of like tips for people who are ready to start dating and want to go out there and put themselves out there maybe a little bit shy or don't really know how to go about creating the kind of relationship they want 
Yeah, absolutely. And this is a beautiful question because I went through this too. I realized that all my relationships uh, up to a certain point, I was really allowing myself to be with men that I knew I couldn't be with forever. Emotionally, I loved them, but there was exactly what you're saying. There's kind of a piece of me that would uh, pick men that I knew were wrong for me. Mm -hmm. And in this experience, this was every relationship. And I got to one place where one relationship where I realized this same guy, it's a different guy, but I'm having the same arguments. I'm having the same situations. The pattern was repeating itself. And the only thing that was similar was me. So I was reinventing kind of this pattern. And a lot of women can relate where they keep dating these men and they're like, why and where is the man that I really want? And so I personally took a sabbatical, wrote a whole bunch of articles about it and stories, and I, I decided to go on a dating detox. To me, that was the best thing I ever did for myself. I don't recommend it for everyone, but I think what's empowering about it, whether it's a one week where you get off the online dating site or you take a year off, whatever that may be, it allows you to go inward and really clean up any area of your own self. And it was the best thing I did. And what I really guide coaching clients to do is we have to stop focusing so much on the relationship and that's going to make us happy. We have to allow ourselves to be happy now and create and become the type of person we want our, our man to meet, so to speak. So it really comes back to what you're sharing is a very common thing. I say most of my relationship clients, we come and we want this relationship, but we keep attracting people that are unavailable, emotionally, you know, scarred, whatever it may be. And that's because there's some part of us that is still unavailable. And about 90% of the time, it's because we don't feel worthy of love or we don't feel like we're really going to find love. And so these are fears. Of course, this is fear that really is projecting. And so I want anybody who's listening, who's feeling kind of like they're suffering and they're like, gosh, I really want to find a man, but he's not here. Look at where your thoughts are. On a consistent basis, are you focusing on him coming? He's on his way. I can't wait to meet him. Or are you going back and forth? Gosh, I went to the coffee shop and he wasn't there today. Or gosh, I didn't meet anybody. Or no one checked me out today and no one opened doors. You have to really protect and guard your thoughts with so much love on the journey to finding your soulmate. Because when you can allow yourself to be love, you will attract the type of love you really want. Mm, that is so, so, so powerful. So beautiful. I love that. And like, I, I can completely back you up on that. I think that it's so important to take a, at least on an online detox, because yeah. that can be so consuming. Like I have memories of just like, yeah, getting online and like looking at all these profiles. And it's just not I don't think that's the I think whoever you're supposed to be with, it, they will, you will find a way you will find each other if you're meant to be it will happen. So you don't really necessarily, I mean, for, for some people online really is great. And that's how might, might be how you found your husband. And I think that's wonderful. I think it works for a lot of people, but either way, if you were online that Tuesday night at nine fifty nine when you saw his profile, if you were there or if you weren't, maybe you never even got that. I bet you would still end up with him somehow, some way. Yes. And I think, you know, what you're sharing is so beautiful because I think it really, all the listeners, you can resonate with what feels right for you. Some people, the online feels so expansive and they're so excited. They're like, yes, I can't wait. And then, you know, the majority of the clients I work with come to me and they're like, oh my God, I've been online for like two years. 
and it's sucking the life out of me. So we're like, okay, let's immediately cancel those accounts and we'll start from there. So you want to feel where your vibration is internally. If it's something, and here's a rule for any area of your life where you're feeling stuck. If it feels expansive, joyful, and exciting, then then it's right. Because, you know, when you very first joined online, the very first couple of weeks, maybe it probably was expansive, joyful. And then we shift, we change, the experience changes. So you want to constantly, continually honor that shift if that makes sense yeah you have to really listen to what you're saying inside of yourself like I I mean like I don't know whenever I would get on there I'd just be like oh he's cute he's cute he's cute whatever but then like something in their profile or something would like turn me off and then I'd like just not give it a chance or then I'd look him up on Facebook and then just not giving him a chance because I didn't like a certain picture or something and it's like just not I don't know it's not the kind of connection I'm looking for you know? Yeah. And you know what I love is that you're really, you're sharing openly because there's so many women who feel that way where, but they feel like a lot of times we feel like we're hopeless and well, I work so much and, and then I go straight to the gym and then I come home. There's, there's no way that I'm going to meet a man. So I need online, but we have to look at our areas. And so you're committed to like living your life and loving what you do. And you know, and you're, you're, you've really done a lot of work where you're practicing. I know he's out there, which is what we can all do because then you can detach from how he comes. Does that make sense? If you're focusing so much on like the online, this is the this is the avenue, then you may miss the opportunity while you're driving and a cute man next to you, like, I don't know, sees you or something. Like, you know, there's so many places. You could be at the coffee shop, you could be at the yoga studio. And so it's a it really comes back to believing that this is possible for me. Yep. Being open at all times to take advantage of the opportunity. Like I had the, like what you just said, I only go to the gym. Same thing for me. Like I would, I would think about how like, oh man, all I do is go to the gym. And then when I'm at the gym, I'm really focused. I never see anyone there. I never talk to anyone. And then I go to grocery shop, but that's all I do. That's that's all I do. And like, one thing for me is I've realized that like just in the past couple of weeks, I'm like, one thing missing from my life is getting out there and not just like for, not for men, not for meeting someone, getting out there to make relationships, period, to make yeah. new friendships, to just Love share that. stories to, and then like, yeah, then I will have probably more opportunities to meet people and put myself out there. And like, even my mom, like she's, my mom's awesome. And I talk to her about this stuff kind of sometimes. And she was just like, if you really like want to say hi to someone or if you really think someone is charming and you just would love to spark a conversation, Madeline, all you need to do is smile at them. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, I was nice. like, mom, that's not going to work. I'm not just going to smile at someone randomly. And it, it's just like, it was so cute and, and it was just so like real. And I actually yeah. did that. And it was so funny because someone like, walked over to me immediately after I smiled and said hi. I love it. That's so great. And you know what? I talk to coaching clients about that too because a lot of times we don't even realize what we're projecting or putting out there. I have some people who are like, wow, I didn't get, I went out. I finally got myself all ready and went out, you know, after a couple months and no one approached me and we really looked at the situation and she, she wasn't smiling. She wasn't, she was very closed off with her body language and demeanor. So I love that you're sharing that about smiling, something as simple as smiling can really attract people to you. Yeah. And that's not easy at all. Like I'm not saying that is an easy thing to do because smiling at someone randomly when you're doing something like on your computer, I mean, for some reason it's hard because there's like no actual reason to smile. And when you smile at someone randomly, it's like telling them, I think you're cute or I want to talk to you, you know, but if you start to smile often and smile all the time and just like start smiling to people, women, men, like old people, yeah. young people. 
it's not going to feel as weird. And then when you happen to see someone that you would like to have a conversation with, you can smile at them. It will look, it will look real. It will feel real. And like, it, it just, even if nothing comes from it, you're smiling and you're just putting good energy out there. When you put good energy out there, good energy comes back. Yes, I love that. It's so important. So awesome opportunity for every listener this week. Smile more. Go out of your comfort zone and really smile at strangers. Yeah, exactly. And like really think about the kind of people you do want to attract. Like I, I don't think that it's great to have like a list written out of like this is the kind of guy I want. This, 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 and only this. But like at the same time, it's really good to have a good idea of the kind of qualities you look for. Yeah. And like, think about your, like your past and the kind of people you've been with that didn't necessarily meet up yes. to what you're looking for. Cause like for me, I know that I very often go for like the first thing I really want is someone that is witty and funny. And I know every girl says they want a really funny guy, but like, I really need that because I can get really serious and I just love to laugh. But it's just so happened that every time I went for a really funny guy and I just focused on funny they were always very emotionally unavailable and there was really no like I would say something like I like you or you know I like this or whatever and it would kind of just be like crickets like it would be like wait uh, and then like let's crack a joke and then and then like it would just be weird there would be like no emotional like they they would like me back but it wouldn't be like the real kind of emotional link that I was looking for so I had to kind of open up my mind and be like okay Humor is not the most important thing. It's also important that they're emotionally mature. Yeah, Yeah, and available. You know what you're sharing is so beautiful because this is a process that I did in my own life and I do with clients, which is the red flag list. And after we date a lot of people, we kind of start repeating the patterns. Like you said, you said I was dating the same person over and over and I realized, wow. So in looking at what doesn't work, we can actually get clear, super crystal clear about what does work. So dating people that hasn't worked out instead of looking at, gosh, I'm off track. I'm not where I should be. I wasted time in that relationship. Say, amen, man. I know now what I need for my own, you know, self and my future. And the red flag list becomes basically the mandatory. I, I usually suggest no more than five. And these are if this person has this, then I will run, <laughs> so to speak. So for me, I kept dating these like sugar mamas. They were like not in a place where they could really take care of themselves. And I was just starting my new business. I was a young entrepreneur trying. And so I was like the breadwinner and I wasn't even in a place where I could support two people. But all it kept, it was this pattern. And I realized that I need a man who's, you know, financially stable. It doesn't matter what he does as long as he loves his job. I'm not like looking for a millionaire. I just need someone who isn't dependent on a woman to take care of him. And that became a thing for me. And so for you, funny could be on the list, but emotionally available could be number one on your list. And these aren't superficial things like, oh, red flag, if he has brown hair and I want a guy with blonde hair. It's not like that. It's the emotional feeling of how you feel with him. Yes, exactly. That's so true. Okay, so one of my last questions for you is what is the number one or biggest tip for strengthening your mind-body connection? That's a great question because it is 100% connected and a lot of times we feel like they're not connected. And so the number one tip to strengthen your mind-body connection is to actually, again, it comes back to follow your heart. 
And what I mean by that is our head and our, our mind is really going to overthink things. It's going to analyze things. Gosh, I had a binge episode or I'm not at my goal weight. I can't meet the soulmate. Whereas our heart knows you are right where you need to be. Everything is in right order. You're learning through this process. This thing that feels like a setback or this relationship or this body situation is actually part of your bigger picture and you're learning and growing and becoming more of who you are. So really getting in touch with your heart is going to be your key. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much. And can you tell us where are you headed? What's next in your journey? Ooh, I'm actually so excited for 2015. I am working on so many beautiful things. I have another book, Adventures for Your Soul, that's coming out in August. So I'm working uh, with my publisher on editing that. And I'm working on courses. I'm also going to be doing a retreat. It's going to, I was going to do a retreat in Hawaii a couple years ago, and it's really shifted to this beautiful new experience. And I'm just, just go to playwiththeworld.com if you want. I'll give you a free gift there. You can sign up and stay on my newsletter for all the upcoming excitement. Oh my gosh, that's so fantastic. Shannon, thank you so, so, so much for joining us on the podcast today. I feel like we covered so many topics that we've actually like never covered on here. Money, traveling, manifesting the life of your dreams, relationship, all that is just amazing stuff. And it, it, they're very important components to even healing the relationship you have with your body. So thank you for giving us that insight. Thank you. It's been such a great honor to be here. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening, friends. I'm Maddie Moon, and you have been enjoying the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please be sure to rate and review it in the iTunes store as well as subscribe. Also, please remember I'm glad to continue the conversation on my website, mindbodymusings.com, where you can also sign up for my free ebook, How to Love Your Body Again 10 Easy Steps to Stop Sacrificing and Start Living. I created this book to help everyone that struggles with body image, dieting, overtraining, and negative self esteem to learn how to not only accept who you are, but love who you are. This is coming from an ex fitness model and bikini competitor, so trust me, I know what it's like to have those struggles and to want to be rid of them. So please, if any of that sounds good, head on over to moonfitness.net and sign up. Thanks for listening.